This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Does anybody know what time it is? Nathan Edge, Cam Felton, can you help me out from a socially distanced venue? What time is it? I've lost track. It's 3pm. Uh, it's uh, I think it is uh, Saturday. Whether it's Saturday, Monday, Thursday, whenever it is, this is the best time of the week podcast from Mansfield Matters to try and get us all through COVID-19 and the return of football. We would love to see football happen. Now, a few housekeeping things before we kick off with this episode. We actually recorded the most of this yesterday, which would have been Thursday. Nearly got it wrong. Thursday the 16th. Thursday the 16th. It's now Friday the 17th, about 10 past one. Uh, This is going out on Saturday uh, the 18th at three o'clock. So it's all a little bit jumbled up, but there's a very good reason um, why we've recorded it in different bits. And first and foremost, you won't notice this on the audio version, but we're going to put this on the bloopers on Facebook anyway, because we've managed to get our little video set up recording again. Cam Felton, in the interest of continuity, what have you done wrong? Well, originally, I was going out for a run. You're right. Oh, this is no, no, here we then go. you guys said you were going to do re-record the podcast bit, so I was like, all right, fair enough, I'll stay in for a bit, so I'm going after we recorded this. But that doesn't help us with the continuity. What? What? Why Why are we bringing up continuity? Because I'm in a different shirt, but it's because <laughs> I wore that one yesterday. To be fair, and I don't like backing Cam up on this, there was no foreplanning whatsoever. Yesterday was... Pure coincidence that we're all in the same stag stop anyway. So, uh, you know, me and Nathan thought we know we we both, even though we didn't contact each other over this, I'm sure Nathan will agree. We both had the idea in our head of continuity. Um, common sense. And, and common sense, yeah, common sense. Uh, Cam clearly lacks all of all of the above. So there you go. We haven't learned anything new, though. Let's be honest. Well, maybe I, could, I could change. I could just quickly change now. If you really want to be that pedantic about it, we no, don't. Def- definitely don't. Even though Nathan can't see, I, 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 I don't want to inflict that on him. or anybody else watching at home either it's not fair correct Uh, right let's get into the episode the audio bit of the episode or whatever it is Uh, this as I say is the Mansfield Matters podcast the show for the fans by the fans why in unison because Mansfield Matters I think that's the best as they're going to get to be fair um Obviously, uh, today, as we are recording this bit, um, it is Friday the 17th, uh, about 12 minutes past one, if you're being exact. 
Uh, and today we've had a, uh, a new statement from the EFL um, regarding the situation of uh, the continuation of the season and things like that. Um, so we thought we'd just give our reaction to that before we got into the bulk of the episode because as you scan through the... Um, uh, the details of the statement come felt and it basically does highlight exactly what this episode is about so near yet so far football is ish so near to being back but yet so far away for all of these supporters if the statement is anything to go by I just think the EFL are a little bit clueless in in, in my opinion I don't really think they know what's going to happen you look at other divisions and anywhere between step four and below is finished null and void. Scotland are now null and void in their three lower divisions. And the National League is going to vote soon whether they're going to null and void or whether they're just going to end the season as it is. And I, I, I get that they want to keep the integrity of, of the season, the competition, but how how does that come across in, in the sense of fairness for all teams, because you you look at some teams, and I think it's League One. There's teams in the relegation zone that could get out with their games in hand, whereas you look at this division in our division. Uh, obviously, Stevenage are a long way adrift, so even if the season finished now, it wouldn't make a difference at all. It's a very interesting situation, isn't it, Nathan Edge? Because basically what this statement highlights, which we'll go into uh, in a minute or two properly, is that football, it sounds like the idea they've got at the moment is for this season to continue and finish with games being played behind closed doors and just broadcast on iFollow. Yeah, I, I'm going to disagree with Camilla, but I think that probably, I, I actually, as I've had time to think about it, I know when we did the record, the, the podcast at the, just before lockdown, um, we were discussing about what we think we should go forward and at that point I was in favour of null, null and void really, just just write it off and be done with it, basically because it doesn't affect us yeah. as, as Mansfield Town because of the season we've had, but as I've had time to sort of think about it and look into it in more detail, actually I don't think that's a good idea, I, I, I don't think um, when, I, I just think it's not fair on so many teams, the ones that have invested a lot of money into this season um, I don't think it's fair on them. And then you've also got um, we, we spoke about continu- uh, <laughs> continuity. I can't say it. Continu- <laughs> continuity. Continuity. Oh, come on, say it. Say Is it. that a new podcast bell? Continuity. I can't say it. Come on. No, you've got to keep saying it. And when you say it right, I'll ring this bell. Con- continuity. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> continuity. Try again. Continuity. Try again. That was close enough. Continuity. Hey. There it is. <laughs> that, anyway, as we were saying, as we've been talking about that, and uh, I'm not going to say it again. Uh, but you've got the same issue with it with the EFL, where they've got to sort of follow suit with what the Premier League are going to do, and and the EFL are getting a lot of stick. But what are the Premier League saying in all of this? They haven't done much either. So I think it's more a matter of. They can't say much at the moment because they don't know, like we don't know, like, like the, you know, the government don't know what what's going to happen in the next three weeks. It could go one or you know, sort of any direction. So, I'm going to sympathise them a little bit. They can't really. They, they're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't with certain ideas. So, uh, but I I personally think if they're gonna, for me, there's only two scenarios that can finish the season. There's do it on a points by points per game ratio yep. which is a fair way of doing it Agreed. But, but then clubs aren't getting any revenue whereas at least doing it this way 
all right, it's not going to be massive amounts, but they're going to get something through streaming matches, whether it's through iFollow or if they do it through TV, they'll get some sort of TV package because TV companies are going to be willing to pay it because that means they're going to have viewers, which means they can get advertising. So it's kind of sort of livening, you know, sort of livening up the, the TV sort of side of things again, which which is essentially revenue for clubs, which is what clubs rely upon. So I think it's better than just saying null and void and not doing it because you look at... Cam mentioned Scotland. They've done it slightly different, uh, if I'm right in saying this, to the non-league side of it because they've relegated um, is it, uh, Saint, oh, what is it, Partick Thistle, um, who were playing hell up about it, which is probably rightly so because if you're going to nil and void it, you either nil and void it where there's no promotion and no relegations, or there's got to be some some other other fair way of doing it because how do they just finish the season as it is though because I know uh, Dundee United they've been promoted as champions of the championship yeah, back into the premiership that's what I don't think is fair because Partick Thistle have got a game in hand and if they won that game in hand against a team that they've already beat twice this season they'd have gone out of the relegation zone so how is it fair to finish as it is I think that's also wrong the arguments will go on forever and ever but let's pull it back to uh, how not necessarily it affects us but it affects our league and and us in terms of being able to go and watch football matches or to get some form of football and some form of normality into this entire situation I'm not going to go through uh, the full um, statement which is come out uh, today on this Friday if you want to read that in full then of course uh, get yourself to all of the websites the EFL websites on the Mansfield website it's basically anywhere that you need to look footballing wise you can find this statement uh, the bit there which uh, interests me and interests us in general is as follows it reads when it comes to footballing matters I understand the desire among fans for definitive answers particularly around the conclusion of the 2019-2020 campaign as I'm sure you will appreciate the situation presents significant operational and financial challenges including the logistics of clubs returning to full operational status the practicalities of playing football behind closed doors and the possible knock-on effects for the 2020-2021 campaign please be assured that we are working hard on these and we'll update you as soon as we can once decisions have been made to give you an honest assessment of the current situation the point at which you will be able to attend games again remains unclear please be assured however that we are going to welcome you back to stadiums as soon as it is safe to do so your contribution to the max day experience and atmospheres Uh, created in stadia up and down the country is something we should never take for granted unfortunately i cannot tell you today when the when football will resume though whenever we do return matches are likely to be played without crowds Uh, that's the uh, part of the statement of course which has been released today by rick parry the uh, chair of the efl as i say the full statement is on um, all of the uh, relevant websites let's pick the bones out of that then nathan edge first and foremost what it highlights for me, um, without it, it being word for word clear, what it highlights is that the intention is to finish this season in some way, shape or form. Yeah, that's if you read sort of, well, I want to say read between the lines. I think that's what they are um, sort of hinting towards without categorically saying this is the plan. Uh, I think they're sort of just saying this is the direction we're looking to head into. But there's still factors and still things that need to be figured out. Uh, and I think they're also when you certainly when you're you 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 zoning on the the part on the, on the sentence where it's saying about when football does resume, it's like it's going to be without crowd. I think that may be 
a bit of a uh, sort of get ready for for, for next season because it's probably going to be different for 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 some time, which I I personally think will be the case really. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because they talk about the knock-on effect as well, Cam Felton, of the uh, the following season. As Nathan says there, it may necessarily be a thing of, right, we'll finish this season behind closed doors and put games on, on TV. But then going into next season, if they manage to finish by the time, in a, in a particular time frame, which we'll come on to, which allows next season to start as it would probably in August time, maybe even late August rather than the start of August, we still may be in a situation as a country where um, we've got lockdown measures in place and there are uh, uh, things on crowds. So they will have to have a contingency plan of looking to, to start again, but without that pressure of putting the crowds in there. So it could well be that going forward, the only way for us to watch and enjoy football is by the power of the internet, watching live streams and listening to commentaries. Well, if anybody listened to the um, to the, the government press conference yesterday, they obviously extended the, the lockdown. They also mentioned about uh, in the coming months we could see uh, the, the social distancing measures reduced in some areas, but strengthened in others, hinting towards like your major cities being still on lockdown, but your more rural areas. Uh, not being as strict on the lockdown, so that could have a massive effect on um, on football matches being played because you might be able to have somewhere played like Forest Green might be able to play because it's a tin pot village in the middle of nowhere <laughs> compared to somewhere like Leighton Orient who are in the middle of London that wouldn't be able to have a crowd. So you, it's going to be swings and roundabouts, but, but um, it just hints towards maybe next season starting behind closed doors the first few games say the first month depending on the situation um because it, it, it's it's a weird one because we've got we've obviously we've got the three-week lockdown hopefully we should be through the worst of it now we should be hitting the peak now so by the time it's tailed off it's going to be towards more the middle of the summer so by the time we even get close to starting football again it's going to be too close to the start of next season to even because we've got two months two months worth of football I love how you looked at your watch as well to to say (laughs) two months worth of football as if your watch was telling you how much football was left to be played but we've got two months worth of football actually well we've got more because we had uh, Swindon postponed didn't we yeah so we've got Two and a two and a bit months worth of football to be played in what could end up only being by the time it could be June by this is all all this is done. So it gives us theoretically a month to get it all done, and it's not going to happen. Personally, I I disagree. I think it can happen. I'm mean, I'm not talking about our silly little tournament thing, which is still a genius idea, and still you know yeah. if if things needed to, to happen. Episode one, if you want to know what we're talking about, what a what a get what a what an episode. Um, so on a serious note though. The fact of playing football behind closed doors makes it a little bit easier uh, in terms of the turnaround of games because there's not that um, pressure. There's not necessarily that pressure of having to, you know, prepare stadiums as, as a safety-wise for supporters and, and things like that. You could theoretically, if it was a, maybe even a neutral ground, it was moved around a bit. You could have. One, one day on, one day off in terms of games and, and get through it in a, in a shorter period, you know, playing Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, in, if, if you know what I mean. Well, didn't the last announcement from EFL before this one uh, say that 
uh, based on their sort of uh, plannings that it would take they'd need 56 or 59 days to conclude the season as it is so um, it then becomes a matter of when they can actually start these games because then you've got the added dilemma of of players' contracts in there, and and obviously they they're due in our leagues to to finish at the end of July. So that's the real issue, isn't sorry, it? June. That's the real issue, isn't it? Because it, it's all well and good trying to come up with a plan of whether or not we finish the season by actually playing football, but then you've got the, the situation, like you say, Nathan, about you know. Um, contracts coming to an end I know that there there was um, mentions of a, a consortium of, of representatives for, of players from clubs from each division in uh, League 1 and League 2 coming together to decide to on how to move forward whether they become furloughed and have the 80% or whether they uh, you know have a, a an extension to contracts but in some cases as we know in football transfers may already be agreed but just not announced oh, yeah. so and, if- and, and, and furloughing them then, then then they're not allowed to play because then you're technically not working so yeah you cause... have to have the three-week break don't you so it's it, unless they're already unless they're already furloughed because most people who were some furl- clubs are yeah which some clubs are to be fair most of those who are furloughed now will have come to the end of their three-week um initial furlough or the if they were furloughed at the start of this month, by the end of next week, that furlough will come back. And I know that some employers, after that three-week block, have got a, a, basically a 24-hour recall on them. So once you've completed that three weeks off, you can go back to work as soon as it's said. So it would just be a case of each club having a, a plan in place and following the same procedure um, rather than it being the rich and the poor, which this situation at the moment is turning out to be. The rich clubs are just now we're all right, whereas the poor clubs, I dread to think what life's like at, at, at Macclesfield at the moment. I dread to think. Well, well they, they don't get paid either way, do they? <laughs> I mean, it's probably helping them at the moment because they probably have furloughed their staff, so they probably are getting paid right now um, in, a, in, a, in a strange sort of way. But... They got, that can only go on for so long, um, and that's, so they're gonna have issues. So many clubs are gonna. Have, the longer this goes on, the more difficult it's gonna be. And the problem they've got. So at the moment, the Premier League have, have, have given advanced payments to their uh, to their to their sort of uh, solidarity payment that they call it. So which is eight hundred thousand pounds for the club. So all that's been. It's just an advanced payment. It's not an extra payment, which is gonna help clubs for the meantime. But it's still going to have a knock-on effect further down the line, and it's all a matter of how long this goes on for. Because clubs at our level, um, it doesn't really matter to the Premier League because, like, your match day revenue counts for a very small percentage of what they actually earn. However, for us at our level, League One, League Two, and, and, and certainly the National League, match day revenue is the, probably one of the most important things they've got coming into the club. So yeah, and, and it's there, it's, it's, it's for. yeah, and it's it's there, isn't it? Where you say about match day revenue, it's it's how that's then refound from another uh, position because. Um, as you say, the match day revenue is is very high and, and very important for clubs like ourselves. But taking away that revenue of crowds coming in and putting it on iFollow, it's and platforms like that. It's a do supporters have to pay for it? Um, which in some respects will mean supporters shelling out again. I mean, um, all three of us have iFollow, don't we? I think. Yeah. 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 So for for us three, it doesn't matter either way. But there are some fans out there who season ticket holders or, or whatever who don't have access to, to iFollow who will then have to pay again uh, on top of the money they've already paid for the season ticket to be able to watch 
to continue to watch the matches. Is that fair? No, it's not. Um, then the question is, well, if you take that um, barrier away, where does that income come from? But it, yeah, it, well, it makes. Uh, Go on, they. Sorry. I was going to say. I mean, I've, I've been looking at people's response, football fans' response on on Twitter and other social media, and a lot of people are saying, I'm, I'm not going to pay for iPolo because you know it, it's not going to be. The same watching it for the moment they're, they're kind of missing the point that the money is going to the club I understand some won't be able to afford that which is a different scenario but if you can and, and you want to watch it yes it's going to be different you're not going to get the atmosphere but you should still pay for it but that's why I think that the, the EFL if, obviously if they are going to go down this route of of, uh, of streaming slash televised I think they need to weigh up what's going to bring in the most money for clubs is it going to be putting it on a TV channel which is going to pay the money because they're going to get advertising etc from it uh, which can be quite lucrative, uh, or are they going to go down the iFollow route and hope that they can get a sort of fair pricing structure, whether it's a fiver or a tenner a game, a bit like what they do now, or whether they can integrate some way to, to honour season tickets, which I don't think would be possible. I think that would be a logistical nightmare. Oh, to yeah, massively. Do. Because especially because um, some clubs still, uh, some clubs season ticket wise, still aren't digital. Some still have the old fashioned rip it out of a book style ticket. It, yeah. So it, it is very difficult to do. But I think for me, you mentioned there about the TV thing, the TV comparison to iFollow. iFollow is an individual thing for each club. So that, yeah. that, that would then theoretically mean that supporters could watch their club at the same time that other fixtures are being played. Whereas if it's a TV company who comes in and takes the matches, how on earth are you going to show um, 26 lots of, um, you know, or whatever it is, games? How are you going to show all of those games being played at the same time without some on on TV you can't do it We've, you've not got well, you know be, seven, 90, you've not got 72 channels a nightmare wouldn't it absolutely These, I, well with well, obviously with us fans in League 1 and 2 being able to watch our midweek games on iFollow in the championship it's on Sky you just have to press the red button and they have I think it's six games per night Split again, but again, it could be, but again, it, is that fair for supporters? Because not everybody has Sky, a lot of people have Freeview. But that, I think whatever outcome is going to be, there's not going to be something that's fair for everyone. I think no. it's impossible in a scenario like this to please everybody. And I'd hate it to go to Sky because I hate Sky, I'd, 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 I would never pay for a Sky Sports subscription again in my life. But it's one of them that if that was the only way of doing it which would bring the most money to the club to keep them going um, and to have those matches streamed so people can still because I've got to remember I mean it's, it's basically football's entertainment obviously it means more to us but it's entertainment it's not actually essential and you probably the problem we're also going to get is if we do return to football but whilst there's still some sort of you know, major social distancing rules going across the country. People that aren't football fans or aren't don't care about sports at all are going to look at us and be like, "Well, how are twenty-two men around allowed to run around on the yeah. pitch? You know, having contact and stuff like that." Whereas they're not allowed to go out and shake hands with people and stuff. Do you know what I mean? You're going to get a backlash from then the rest of the public that don't give two tosses about football. There's so many things in this. It's going to be. I, I wouldn't want to be in EFL shoes at the moment. That's 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 my sort of uh, thought on, thought on it. I genuinely don't see um, a, a way forward that this can, you know, say for example, we as a, as a nation we get through this and we're relatively back to normal by sort of the start of June time. I don't see a, a, a way in which football will be allowed to to 
return to some form of normality at a quite normal and, and easy time. It's going to drag on and on and on, and the debates will uh, continue as well. Just finally, though, um, we're all sort of on this little topic. We all sort of had our own idea on how it should go forward um, back when we did episode one of this new podcast series, which is not a mini-series anymore, as it's turned into more of a full series, unfortunately, because of the situation. Um, but we sort of you know, had our own says then. Have your opinions changed of how things should go forward since then? Because I think mine has. I, I was probably in favour back then of a null and void because it didn't ma- matter to us. But I think the only way forward and you're going to have a first start again next year is to try and complete this one in some way, shape or form. Cam, where are you at? Have you changed your, your stance since we uh, recorded that genius idea back in week one? Uh, yeah, because the more... The more you look into it, yeah, fair enough, we could null and void it right now, but then we've got clubs that are still still got players on the contract, still got players on loan. How does that then come into things? Do their players then go back on loan for the following season, or 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 what? Or what do you do when it comes to sponsorships? If a team, if so, like a company's paid for a full season sponsorship, and then they don't get the benefits of being the sponsor. Do they then have to pay again to be the sponsor again? Yeah, there's so many questions, isn't there? Whether it, you know, it doesn't, it does not, unfortunately, just come down to the simple, simple thing of here's a football, here's a stadium, here's a referee, go and play a game. It spirals onto so many things: players' contracts. Um, obviously, you've you've got your other things. Uh, like commercialization and things like that as well there's so many things to to worry about it it's it's just almost not worth the hassle is it it's it's very very difficult to try and uh, to try and uh, to try and comprehend which is which is which is absolute madness in in some respects but but there you go uh, so in some way shape or form um football is so near Yet so, so, so far away from returning, which brings us nicely onto the actual uh, meaning of this episode. It's going to be a long one. Sit back and enjoy it. Let's jump back to us uh, last night, which was Thursday the 16th, uh, recording um, that podcast. Thanks very much for your opinions. Let's play after what must be at least half an hour, the theme tune. Yes, this is the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield matters. This is the best time of the week, which is three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. We are all missing the hustle and bustle of football and being able to be at the ground and, you know, being able um, to just generally um, go out and, and enjoy ourselves. But... Um, with everything that's going off we just can't do it and that's why we make our pledge to you to bring you uh, brand new content every single um, every single Saturday at 3 o'clock this week we are looking at the so nears yet so fars and Nathan Edge it's a subject which even though it shouldn't be is still very much raw in our memories we're talking of course throwing away promotion what should have been cast iron promotion uh, around this time last season 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, we, 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 it's called so near yet so far, yet so many times it's happened as well. Um, but yeah, I think when you look at the one most recently, uh, MK Don's away. Um, you know, I, I can't ever, ever think of a situation where you'd be sat around thousands of people that, that, that you, well, I'll say that you know, but you're all, you're there for a purpose. And you just can't say a word because that's what was happening, you know, towards the end of that game. You, you know, when you finally, it's probably only for the last minute or two minutes when you finally think this is it, you know, we're not, we're not going to do it. And everyone just sits there in silence, you know, I don't know. It was like, you know, I couldn't, my dad didn't say a word to me. I didn't say a word to him. And same for people with us. You just, it's whenever does that ever happen? You just sit there in silence because you just know what's happened and you know, you've blown it after such a successful campaign end of the day came down to one game and, and we couldn't do it it was such a horrible feeling we'll come on to it and we'll come on to, to why we got so near and, and yet so far uh, later in the podcast but first Nathan let's go back to prime 2003-2004 Cam you were how old? I was uh, four at the time you were four years old uh, at the time well um, me and Nathan I got, I'm, trying, I'm trying to do the math Nathan how old would you have been? Uh, I think I'd have been about 10. You'd have been about 10. I'm going to have to do the maths because uh, I need to get it right and I don't want to guess and make myself look... 30, was it? 30? Yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, 2003, I would have been... I to do this. I was 12. I was 12, so uh, back in uh, 2003, uh, 2004. It was, to be fair as well, one of the first four seasons that I watched as a fan. I'd watched a, a, a bit of the season before when we were relegated um, from what is now League One. Um, and I'd watched a little bit of the season before that when we were promoted uh, as well. But um, background of this, Cam, how much have you researched? How much do you know uh, about the season in question 2003-2004? Just trying to picture what me and uh, Nathan are going to have to dig out and uh, fill you in on. Literally everything that you sent to me earlier in a message. <laughs> You're not supposed to reveal the trade secrets of the show. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I'd say I'd do the research, but I simp- I, it's just so much you have to research to know. Like, Unless you were at the games, you wouldn't know what they meant. So you're only reading like the opinions through one person's eyes. And you can only get so much of a, a feeling from the videos and... And I think the only video there is at the minute up of that season, well, important that season, I think was the uh, Huddersfield game, the last game of the season. I think they've put the Northampton... I think they've put the Northampton first leg on now as well. They've put the first leg on. I didn't see that, but... That's not on the game, that went on. Yeah, I'll say I've not seen it, but you don't... Unless you were there, you don't get a sense of of what it meant and especially me being such a young age I wouldn't have understood it as much anyway so to be able to actually watch everything for the first time was fantastic and then just reading through match reports and the different bits and bobs and it's just yeah it's a lot to take in because it's it's so it's so Mansfield doing everything the hard way Nathan obviously you know you were a a young age uh, then as you say what uh, if anything do you remember uh, of that time um, if, if I'm if I'm honest, as for the season itself, I don't remember uh, massive amounts. I mean, I, you know, I, it was mainly the the big games that uh, stick out in mind. So they sort of not counted away. I 
I remember that, and I'm, obviously I remember the playoff games, um, uh, and then obviously I remember going to the Millennium Stadium for the, for the final, which was uh, apart from the final result, that was a magnificent day out. I remember you know going on a minibus with with uh, family and, and and loads of loads loads of friends. It was a you know massive day out and uh, a ground that obviously most uh, most people hadn't done. So that was another big thing. But um, I think being ten at the time, I don't think I really understood the 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 full um sort of severity of it if that makes sense you know i obviously i was sad about not getting promoted but not as gutted as i felt the likes of mk dons or the fa trophy final you know as as, as you get older you tend to understand what the it sort of means even more uh, when you're a kid, you sort of brush it off after a couple of days and just think, oh, you know, it's football. You, it's, it's how it is. But it becomes more the older you get. So um, I probably remember more the good times, more the good emotions than I do actually the negatives. I think you sort of appreciate the good things more when you're a child than you do the bad. Yeah, I think looking back at that season as well, I'm pretty much the same as you, even though I was a couple of years older. Um, it was really my first full season properly of watching football and understanding what football was. As a young, young kid, as I've said many times on this podcast before, you know, I wasn't a massive football fan. I didn't really follow it. I didn't really care for it. I, was, I wasn't really into it. Um, but it was this season which really got me properly engaged in, in watching the side and I'd, I'd go week in, week out as I do now like an idiot and really enjoy it. But I don't really remember too much um, of the season as a whole. I remember a few of the games. I think we played Hull at home and it was a very tense mm. game. We ended up winning, I think, 1-0. I think Laurent Di Jaffo might have scored. Um, Laurent Di Jaffo, what, what a name. I know, what a name. What a player, what a player yeah. Um, I remember... I Remember not being able to go to Hull away. I wasn't allowed to go to Hull away. Um, Neil McKenzie scored an absolute rocket, which I'm I'm gutted about missing. But I did spend um, you know week after week after week on Preston Road Field trying to recreate that goal, and have been on my garden ever since the. Um Video re-emerged the other week trying to practice it. I need to dig out my blue McKenzie shirt. I don't know where that's disappeared to. I'd be gutted if I've lost that. Um, but I only really remember the back end of that season. Um, Huddersfield away. Um, I seem to remember Mansfield being in, in different <laughs> form. Um, it was a win, then a loss, then a win, then a loss, which should have really uh, highlighted uh, what was to come in, in future years, really, Nate, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, was that Huddersfield game? Was that the three-one win or three-nil win? Yeah, three-one. Um, I remember. I remember that game very well because we uh, we broke down on the way home. So I uh, <laughs> so that again. That was another game. Another, uh, uh, especially in them days, uh, an incredible stadium uh, to be going to. Um, and obviously, we put in a, a great performance with another team that was up there, a promotional a pr- promotion rival. Couldn't they, um, couldn't they have gone up that game though if they'd have won? Yes. Um, so basically, they were in the chasing pack for an automatic promotion all season long. Um, they'd sort of faltered a little bit, but that game they needed to win. I think they needed, um, uh, depended on, I think, Torquay's result as well. So there was very much, uh, as I'm sure Nathan was going to mention, there was very much a party atmosphere, wasn't there, Nathan, at Huddersfield? Yes, because they yeah. expected to, to dominate Mansfield that day and, and seal automatic promotion with, with you know with results elsewhere going their way as well. What a day that was! You know, now just thinking back again, like even though I was so young, uh, how how I'd love to relive that season. You know, I know it all, obviously all ended in, in disappointment in the end, but some of the games that we had, and again, some of the the, the, the 
type of teams you'd, you'd love to play again. I mean, look where Huddersfield are or have been since then. Yeah. Um, but I think just when you look at our team, I mean, I don't know if you can get the team lineup up. Uh, I will. For, for some of those games. But we had our squad. There was some talent in there. But what was even more refreshing is that there was some real good homegrown talent there as well. And I just... I think that's what football should be about. I mean, I've, I've been listening to uh, to another podcast. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, lately, to pass to pass the time, and it's a really good. It's called uh, the, the the price of football. Uh, with Kieran McGuire. It's a superb, superb uh, podcast with an insight into the game with a different player. No, he can he can plug other podcasts if he want, just not, you know. It's not a rival that, podcast. It's not that it's one. different. And that's not a podcast <laughs> um, anyway. So there we go. Moving on. Don't <laughs> Uh, so, so anyway, as so I was saying, um, they, that's been looking into that looks into a different aspect of the game, so the finance of things. And uh, I know in the past there used to be a rule where um, you could only recruit young players within a ninety-minute radius of your of your of your ground. Um, so it just sort of goes to show back then why we were able to get such good young talent. Whereas now a lot of that talent is swept up by Premier League clubs, and, and they're harder to come by. But it's some of that. You're proud as a football club when you can bring through your young players that that care about that play for the badge. Um, yeah, they, they are good times in our history, and like I say, even though it didn't end in success, it was still a successful campaign in in my eyes for for how we were as a club. Absolutely, I'm just uh, on uh, the trusty website, which is soccer based now, just uh, having a look at those at that team for that Huddersfield uh, game as well. Um, just looking at the results prior to that as well. You go back to uh, sort of uh, April. It was. Uh, we beat to Torquay, drew with Cambridge, beat Oxford, lost at uh, the old Darlington, drew at Bristol, at home to Bristol Rovers, beat Boston, lost at home to Carlisle, slipped up there to uh, you know to try and seal a playoff spot, and then went to Huddersfield on the uh, penultimate day of the season and. Uh, ended up winning 3-1 but looking through that team uh, Kevin Pilkington Reese Day Adam Eaton Bobby Hassel Alex Baptiste a young Alex Baptiste then as well uh, would have only been probably uh, probably 16-17 at that time uh, Tom Curtis Liam Lawrence uh, Wayne Corden um, Craig Disley Lee Williamson Julian, Junior Mendes we had the likes of uh, Luke Demek, Dave Artell Laurent DiGiaffo Super Colin Larkin uh, on the bench uh, alongside a young Jason White as well so lots of homegrown talent if you compare that to perhaps the the, the squad of uh, last season it's uh, a completely different uh, kettle of fish isn't it? You could definitely I mean especially not even just last season, but you go through many, many seasons. Obviously, we, you know we all know that dropping out of the league was a big contribution to us uh, not having the same youth system because obviously it eventually just just collapsed because the funding uh, wasn't there. But uh, but but I think it's saying when you're for most clubs that, that, that it's just a very different game these days to what it was back then and what we're only, we're only talking 16 or so years ago. Uh, but the, the game has changed so much since 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 those days. And we're looking as well um, at, at a team who played some very good football as well. How much of the videos have you have you watched, Cam, of uh, of, of those days? Have you had a, a decent enough uh, video to 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 give you comment on how we played? Uh, not really. I've not particularly had the time to watch anything. I've only watched like the, the short highlights that have gone on Facebook or YouTube. I've not had a chance to watch the whole games. But I've got uh another day off tomorrow so I'll uh 
I'll make sure set, to watch set it. him some homework. That, that's what we should do. Absolutely. When you well, you know when we do when, when we I don't need homework. When we do this um, Mansfield Matters big quiz, I think that'll have to come into it. It'll have to be like a, a quiz from like two thousand onwards, and, and really go for it and really put him to the test. Um, to be fair though, uh, Nath, uh, some of the football, as I say, that we played in there was 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 good football on the floor, and you're looking as, as well at a side managed by a, a manager who was under pressure. To be fair, I, I, having failed to keep us in the division above the previous season despite having a good enough amount of time to do it but he got us really playing some good football and a, a, and a lot of people forget he, you know he was just cutting his teeth as a manager back then as well we were his first managerial club in Keith Curl yeah I mean wait you, you remember the the season before when uh, we obviously were in in League League One, or I think it was. It was even still called Division Two back then. I think as well. Yeah, it would have yeah. been Division Two. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, we were Division Two or Division Three. Nationwide Division Two was Division was. Two, yeah, of course it was. Yeah. What is so, now League um, One? You know, uh, even then, even though we got relegated, I, I remember uh, so so well that like, even when we lost the games, we actually put a pretty good fight to all of those matches, and we were actually quite lucky to get relegated in the end because. It's not very often you can go down in a season, but be clapped off at the end of each game, you know, pretty much all the games. And I think that says a lot to um, actually how Curl got us playing. And it basically just came down to the fact that there just wasn't the ability in the squad. We'd lost some key players um, from the season before, which obviously played played a big, big part in that. But to 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 get relegated, but still be clapped off the the, the pitch every game, and to not be put under that much pressure by the fans I think says a lot to how we were performing and, I've, and that again is, uh, you know, came into fruition the, the following season when we carried on we picked up really and we, we bounced back and started and played some good stuff But in typical Mansfield fashion though Nath we couldn't quite get over the line uh, that season obviously uh, we sealed our playoff place against uh, Huddersfield winning convincingly 3-1 despite them uh, scoring an early goal and uh, you know um, having a couple of chances early doors I think they had a goal ruled out for for, um, for offside early doors as well in that game um, but then the week after that lost uh, to Northampton who will then play again in the playoffs solid 2-0 lead uh, in the first leg all I remember is probably a lot of arrogance going into that second leg uh, at home because it, it felt, as the videos uh, will sh- will show, it felt that it was like signed, sealed, and almost delivered. Yeah, I think that's one of those where that the success really in that first leg almost set you up for failure uh, because I think we we did all of I think we did go in uh, thinking we'd won a bit like probably Huddersfield did when they were playing us. In that league fixture, that party atmosphere, you think you're going to do it, and uh, and we probably went in with that overconfidence, and we and we very very nearly blew it. So um, yeah, I was that one of those where your your, your previous success almost set you up for failure. It was also one of those as well where second leg, obviously, we were they got it back to two two Northampton, they got it back to two 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 on aggregate by half time. Then they scored right after the uh, start of the second half to make it three two. Then Tom Curtis scored. Uh, to level it up, penalty shootout. Um, I've never felt an emotion uh, like that. That penalty shootout when Kevin Pilkington saved from uh, Eric Sabin, um, fantastic. And then obviously Super Colin Larkin sticking the ball in to, to send us to Cardiff. Celebrations on the pitch, oh, unreal, wasn't it? Unreal. The games and and sort of things that happen that you'll never forget. Uh, I remember doing it a few years earlier when we were 
when we got automatic promotion into into Division Two, and then doing it again a few years later in a different fashion, obviously through playoffs. Um, you know, it's it's not very often when you get to go on the pitch and celebrate with your with fellow fans and players in a in a packed house. Uh, so, you know, although it went on to end in ultimate disappointment, I still would rather go through that journey again you know those that emotions of, of winning in a in a playoff semi-final and, and going on that journey I much prefer that than than you know some people say they'd rather lose at a semi-final than a final because it hurts more but uh, I, I, I I wouldn't I'd rather go through those emotion, emotions really and and enjoy that time when you when you've got it because you still even though you know like I said, it was ultimately a disappointment. You still were back at that semi-final and think, yeah, what what a day that was and what emotions you'd go through. It was, as this episode suggests, though, uh, so near yet so far. Um, playoff final at Cardiff. Cam, um, you were just a wee lad. Were you allowed to go? Did you go along as a, a young uh, three, four-year-old or were you uh, listening back home on the wireless? No, I was, I was back home. I was, I was following football, but not... You didn't understand Not, it, did you, to be fair? You don't understand it now, however old you are. So God knows what you'd, how you'd have coped at three or four. Oh, <laughs> that is it. Oh, sorry. Uh, nah, it was... I enjoyed football, I enjoyed playing it, but I didn't I didn't fully understand... Um, I, I didn't fall in love with the game. It was... It was Probably like one or two years later that I actually sort of like started asking my mum and dad like, can we go to the football? Um, and I fell in love with it ever since. And what Nathan's on about the the whole pitch invasion and getting on the pitch with the fans, I've actually only ever been part of one, and that was probably one of the darkest days in our history. <laughs> the relegation was it? I can't believe yeah, yeah, I can't believe we pitch invaded after that. Yeah, we've gone I, down. Yes, lads, it, let's go and storm the pitch. No, I can remember. It wasn't even that it was after the game. It was while the game was going on in protest to Haslam, I believe. That, that's 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 a, that's another podcast which I, I oh, don't yeah, really want to go down. Definitely, <laughs> but um, no, that's the only time I've ever pitched away because we've not had any 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 decent enough days since. Are you um, forget? Are you forgetting us getting? Um, Getting promoted as champions from the conference. So you telling me you didn't pitch yeah, invade then? You couldn't, couldn't. You couldn't get on the pitch. I say we didn't pitch invade that well that day, did we? No, we didn't. We no. weren't allowed. So, but so here, so me hearing all these stories. I'm hearing all these stories for the first time as a football fan. I've never, I've never felt this elation. I was, and anyway, I've always sat in the top tier. Um, while I've been going to the football regularly, I've only ever sat in in the West Upper, so I've never been close enough to the pitch. So I've still felt the elation of obviously going up and getting promoted, but I've never never been actually like on the pitch celebrating like like you guys have. You're missing out. It was a great feeling celebrating that penalty shootout win because let's face it, we don't win penalties very often. Um, let's talk about heartbreak though, Nathan. Let's fill him in on the, the real side of the story. We're not talking about the heartbreak of Liam Lawrence uh, trying to be clever and chipping that penalty. Still not forgiven, by the way. Um, <laughs> no. We are talking about the linesman's flag. Please, yes. over to you. Tell the story to Mr. Cam Felton. Cam, I will start the violins now. <laughs> it, it, it was one of the... I mean, it's what... I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's kind of what football is all about. 
And I know that might sound shocking because we were we were on the um, receiving end of a, of a of a bad decision, but um, you know the the ball was deemed to have uh, was it not across the line or across the common which way it was offside. Was it, I think throwing or uh, yeah, I think it'd gone out for a throw before it crossed yes. in. So it was very close to the byline, but it hadn't. It had not crossed the line. So that was the argument, wasn't it? Obviously, we 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 scored. Um, and and that probably would have been the difference was going up. And I think the best way you can probably um, relate to it, Cam, is 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 um, Oldham away uh, into yeah. 2018. Obviously, the whole Danny Rose goal being disallowed. It was um, yeah, but I mean, it, as as opposed to sort of the emotions, what that could have meant. But obviously, put that ramp it up a bit a bit more because I was in front of. Uh, how many did we take to, to Cardiff for at sixteen thousand? Yeah, around far that mark? loads. Yeah, um, you know, you on, on a much larger scale, uh, and a, a referee decision going against you, which ultimately cost the promotion. And now you, it's the, in football, you get a sort of a lot of, a lot of sort of what about you, don't you? And, and what ifs, and you think, what if that had counted, and what if we had gone up? Would we have done what what Huddersfield went on to do, uh, and, and been consistently up there, and obviously. Uh, you know, dabbled in the Premiership for for a couple of seasons before coming back down. Would that have been us? Or, you know, I, I do think it would have been. I think there's too much, too many other things involved in foot in our club at the time that I don't really want to Absol- go into. Absolutely, like I said earlier, it's a different podcast. But, um, but but you do wonder where that might have uh, has took us as a football club just from one refereeing decision yeah it's what hurt as well is the fact that it was like the 90th minute of normal time so then we had to pick ourselves up and go through extra time and I think trying to go through extra time having that on your shoulders it it was a little step too far and as soon as you know we we started the penalty shootout and Wayne Corlands was saved you just knew that it just wasn't going to be our day, did you? It, it was just yeah. one of those things. And you know, do you know what? I, I've said this many a time since. I know ever since that game, it sort of spent, sent us on a downward spiral and, and, and things like that. And we got pulled through the ringer with having to endure Carlton Palmer football and you know all the stuff which happened off the pitch and then getting relegated a couple of seasons or whatever later. But had it not been for that offside goal, we might have gone up, we might have flirted with League One and... and, and flirted maybe with the championship and, and followed that path but I think it might have made us worse in some respects because the inevitable of the Dark Lord leaving and, and the takeovers and, and getting to the position we are now would have been delayed and who knows we could have been in a much worse state than what we actually ended up in so I never thought I'd, I'd say this because I remember being so heartbroken on the day I spent the, the trip home in tears but actually that ball crossing or not crossing the line that decision to put the flag up was probably one of the best decisions of that season in, in some respects because look at where we are now, we're far better shape as a club and in far better prospects for the future because if we'd have gone up, let's be honest, we'd have come straight back down. Well, that's it, that's, you, just, you if, don't know. If, if we'd have gone up though, do you think we could have kept hold of like your Liam Lawrence, your Bobby Assles, people like that? No, no. because <laughs> simply we've all, we've all been there at that the podcast recording with uh, Bobby Hassel. Yeah. Most most of them, if you remember rightly, most of them had already agreed to move elsewhere. We had Junior Mendes playing for us that day. He'd already agreed a move to Hoddesfield. So what, you know, there were so many of that squad who, who'd agreed moves elsewhere would have been probably left 
you know, in whatever creek without a paddle, scratching the squad. We'd have got, we'd have been whipping boys in 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 the high division. We'd have come straight back down. We'd have probably had back to back relegations and been, and been even worse off, to be honest. Yeah, I think, and, and I, I think with the regime we had then, I think one we were uh, we were trying to be a selling club. Obviously, when you get assets coming through your youth team, obviously you you do want to sell them on to a profit. But we were making mistakes. We we wasn't tying them down to contracts, so we can actually get money for them. We at so many occasions we let players go on on freeze, which I think was what sort of happened that season, wasn't it? With uh, with the likes of Hassan, I'm pretty sure they left, and Mendes went left without. Um, we was actually not receiving anything for them. Yeah. Uh, which which was again another big downfall. Whereas I like to think now we are well. I don't not like to think for a fact we are a much better ran football club. Uh, but I'd like to say we're also a bit smarter with that sort of thing, and uh, and uh, you know we wouldn't fall into that same uh, same trap door. Yeah, let's uh, certainly hope not. Well, let's draw an end to 2003-2004. Uh, let's bring Cam in and come to a time where he certainly should remember. The year was 2010-2011. Uh, 2011 in particular, uh, Mansfield Town under Duncan Russell after Lonesworth and the uh, revolving door had long since been replaced, um, went on a quest to get to Wembley. They did it the hard way. What are your overriding memories of uh, Mansfield Town's road to Wembley? So near, yet so far, yet again. Uh, I can remember a fair amount of this one, to be honest, and... Um, can remember going to the to both Alfred and games in the in the in the run up. The, the, obviously, the the first leg was a, a uh, well, it was a one one draw. Went to the replay at their place, beat them. I can remember the Chase Town that going to a replay, and then obviously Luton. I couldn't go to Luton because I was uh, I'd have been eleven at the time, and you know what Luton's like. It's um, it's Luton, um, so. I had to listen. Obviously, I went to the first leg and, and Danny Mitchell scoring and scoring the goal. Uh, fantastic! We had something to hold on to it going into the first into the second leg, and then obviously um, them getting two players getting sent off, and then uh, Louis obviously missing the penalty and scoring the rebound and just the pure elation and. It, it was just a fantastic day. I think I was at a friend's house at the time. Um, and I was listening on the radio. I can remember listening to it. It was just absolutely unbelievable. I think it might have been your commentary that I was listening to. It, probably, it probably would have been because there was only uh, at that time um, there was only uh, the station I was at who were doing commentary other than the other than the anti beep, and uh, they were having problems. So uh, I believe a lot of people were tuned in to me that day. You poor, poor souls. <laughs> oh, but it was brilliant, and it and then just. You, even though you were in the main stand at Luton, obviously via commentary, so you could only really hear the Luton fans around you and all the all the booing and everything of the referees because obviously they sent sent two players off. And but when we got the penalty and Louis, obviously it was saved by Kevin Pilkington and then stuck away and just the. The, the passion that came through from the rest of the press, pre, the press box and then you could hear the fans in the background. It was just absolutely fantastic. I wish I was there. And obviously I, I didn't, did then get to visit Luton a few years later for the, obviously in the league, um, not too long ago. Um, but it was just the, the atmosphere was 
was brilliant and then obviously getting to Wembley was fantastic but I, you, you could have took losing I think at Wembley but the wet being the last minute of extra time it was just heartbreaking and um it's not my worst memory as a Stags fan, but it's, it's definitely up there. Well, you, you say there about... I'm glad you think that the it sounded all nice and, and calm um, from the, the Luton press box because what you didn't know and what um, you wouldn't have realised is that at the time, uh, Luton's press box is right in the hub of... Um, the Luton fans pretty much near near the front few stanchions it's a decent enough view uh, but you are in the heart of the lion's den and I was sat on the back row so right directly behind me pretty much the distance between me and, and uh, the, the wall behind me um, was a set of Luton fans and I had the most vile horrible uh, arsehole I'm going to say uh, <laughs> of, a, of a Luton fan behind me all throughout the game shouting in my ear Bearing in mind at this point as well, um, the commentary gear that I had wasn't great, so the headphones actually didn't work. Um, so I had these headphones on, given the illusion that I couldn't hear anything behind me, but I could ev- hear every single word. The guy behind me calling me every single name in the, under the sun, pushing, pinching, um, just being aggressive and, and horrible. Um, so a lot of that came pouring out in that last minute when Louis Briscoe uh, took... <laughs> Talked that uh, penalty uh, rebound home, and I'm so glad he did because it was one, you know, one in the face for the for the for the tosser that was behind me, and yeah. I never you forget that. You wouldn't expect anything from anything different from a Luton fan, though. I don't think I've ever ever met a decent Luton fan in my life. The only other other place that I've commentated that was as hostile as that is Wrexham, um, and yeah, I've never... well, well, Wrexham. We've always had this weird hatred towards each other I have no idea why I think it's just that everybody hates Wrexham really I don't think there's I don't think between us Yeah, true facts. I've, honestly, that Luton game was was sheer hell. And for me, I I remember that FA Trophy run quite well, especially the, the latter end of it, because um, it was the start of my commentary journey. And for a lot of that time, because we were so awful in the league, um, there was no real stations covering um, football and doing commentary. The BBC had their online commentary, but um, it it was sometimes indifferent. Um, so I was at many games, often the only one doing full match commentary. And I always remember being uh, at Chase Town. Um, I never had any idea on how to set up any audio equipment or anything like that, which I probably still don't, as I'm sure you, you'll chip in with in a minute. Um, and I remember being stood there having to commentate through the whole game. And that was a, a difficult game in itself, you know, being stood so close to the action. We went through the ringer that night. I never actually remember us in that entire FA Trophy run. I don't know about you, Nathan, but I never actually remember us playing actually that well. I don't know how we actually got to the final in the end. No, I think it was probably the the, the same for the whole season, really, wasn't it? Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know how we actually got there, and it's probably why we... Uh, you could probably say that we did really deserve to actually win the trophy. You'd probably say not, uh, based on the, the quality of... Um, performances we put in but um but i, I think you'd, it's just that, that that looting game sums it up i think that endeavor to to to, to get there and that then we were the underdogs i think up to that point we were certainly the favorites against most of the teams the likes of alfred Earn and chase town and and if uh, as cam mentioned earlier that they, they went to replays and you just think yeah we are really we're not good we're, we're really not good but get past them then you get Get a big draw, you know, against Luton in the semi-final, and you think, well, that's it. 
uh, you know, we, we, they know we we're going to get over, you know, beat them. But then we did. Um, and it was it, one of them journeys again, uh, and this the typical fashion of, again, I'm talking about the semi final in particular, um, and, and that, that replay at, at Luton, just the way it, the drama of it all, which what makes football so special. You know, you, you go through, you go through seasons and seasons and seasons, seasons watching your clubs, and you have ups and downs each single week, and you remember little things. But there's moments like that. I just don't think will ever ever leave you as a football supporter. And I, and I, I still put that game up there as one of one of my my best away days. And uh, and, and I hate going to Luton because it's a scummy place. I, I've always hated it. But that so, day, so bad. I, <laughs> yeah, but that day just just made up for it all because it was. Um, I don't remember. There's not many games where I leave with a where I literally can't talk. But the the atmosphere, uh, mm. the amount of times we sang the chorus of Wembley, uh, you know, it uh, was it was unreal. Uh, but like I say, just under those circumstances, how it all happened, uh, the emotions that you go through uh, are just unreal. Like you don't get anywhere else apart from football. And then we, you know, we spoke earlier a little bit about homegrown players and things like that. We were saying about you know your Liam Lawrences, your your Bobby Hassels, your Lee Williamson's, your Craig Disleys in in the two thousand three two thousand and four era. In in this one, because Mansfield was so threadbare, we had the likes of Tom Naylor uh, coming through. And I remember him being absolutely immense that day. Uh, but. Above all else, we had that lonely keeper from Notts County, David Groff, who became a hero that day. He he was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't he, Cam? Oh, it was brilliant. And it was probably the only game you could particularly remember of his time here. But um, it's probably one of the better games in our recent history. And you think uh, that... The, fair enough, some of the players weren't too bad, but you th- you look at the calibre of the majority of the squad, and it's like, wow, are they really the sort of players that we had? And we got to Wembley, and it, it just seems that the whole season was the whole the whole getting to Wembley was just a bit of a fluke, and it was just by pot luck that we got there. It says it all when you're pinning your midfield around Tyrone Thompson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> got that in to be honest. Uh, <laughs> How yeah, can you forget yeah, about the man true. who scored the greatest own goal in football in history? You forget <laughs> Chris Brass hitting himself in the face for York City. There's a reference Cam won't get. Um, but you, you've, Tyrone Thompson, that own goal, how can you forget that? The greatest own goal ever. True, but then we've also got dec- the, the decent players that we had in that squad, such as uh, Paul Connor and Adam Murray, of course, uh, and Alan Marriott all in that team. And it just seems that we were were relying on the same players constantly. And obviously, they can't perform the same every game because otherwise they won't be in the conference. They would be playing much higher up if they were more consistent. But they were decent enough players. But it just seems that everything that needed to go right did go right on that day. 7th for May, Mansfield Town at Wembley Stadium. Nathan Edge, what's your overriding memories? Is the day in general, how did it start for you? Was it a travel down with family? Was it on a bus? What was the day, what was the Wembley day like for you on the day which was uh, so near yet so far? We uh, we travelled down, so we hired a bus, um, a, a, quite a big one, actually. it must have been a 52-odd seater, um, with, just again, packed with... Uh, Probably the same people that went to the Millennium Stadium with us, to be honest. So all those people we've been on there, plus plus a few more that we've uh, picked up along the way. Um, I remember 
uh, I think there was quite a bad accident on the motorway that day, and we was literally about to get off the off the slip road onto the motorway. We managed to just miss that, which was which was lucky. Um, but I remember I remember also the awfulness of my dad playing his Northern Soul uh, through through a microphone. <laughs> may I add that the uh, so not only is it also terrible terrible quality already, he was then playing it through a microphone, which made it ten times worse. And I think I knew from that point on. It wasn't going to be a good day. And do you know what? I'm. Uh, it, 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 it's a very interesting, uh, interesting day. That Cam. What about what about you? What was your Wembley mem- memories? Were you the? Who did you go with? Uh, was you on a coach? What did you? What did you do? Did you make a weekend of it? What was your Wembley 2011 uh, memories? I went down with some friends, and it was actually quite nice because I'd already been to Wembley that season to watch England play. So it was like, oh, we'll, we'll just go to the same place as we did last time, and it, it was a fantastic day. And I was. The first time that I went, it was back in the October, so it was before the FA Trophy really got going properly, and um, it was it was a Tuesday night game, so it wasn't brilliant. It weren't great. It was middle of October. It weren't brilliantly warm. So obviously, when we got the chance to pretty much redo the day, but with stags, it was a it was a glorious day. It was really hot. Sun was out, and you could just walk down Wembley Way, and it'd be just thousands of Stags fans pouring into these pubs and the atmosphere was brilliant and it was just so heartbreaking when uh, Chris Senior stuck the ball back at net and it, it just seemed to uh, just like it just made the season a failure because it's like if we'd have it was a mid season a mid-table finish wasn't it roughly just about yeah yeah uh, and if we'd have won it you'd have thought oh I compared to the season before it wouldn't have been such a bad season but it just made the season just like it just felt like a complete failure like we we achieved nothing and then um it was it was devastating and as i was only i was 12 at that point so it was just really when i was really really starting to fall in love with football and it was what a side uh, to fall in love with Jesus Christ <laughs> I know it was um, well the first player that I particularly liked like was probably Paul Connor as like like when you look at a player you, I'd had players in the past and I'd, that I'd, I'd preferred but when it comes to actually like right there's a player that you really like it, it'd be it'd be Paul and it was fantastic to hear his stories um, a couple of months ago, and you know what? I totally uh, forgot we did an episode with Paul Connor. You know why? He's not for some reason his score on the quiz is not written on my sheet. I need to find his, his score and add it to the uh, add it to the leaderboard. That's poor from me. That's poor production. It is, but um, it it was just one of them plays that it performed week in week out, and then everything that went right for the Luton game just went wrong for the Darlington game and it, it was just uh, heartbreaking and when when you don't, like, before that I'd only ever like particularly been to obviously I've been week in week out for the, the the two seasons before that but the only other me- real memory that stuck as a young fan back then was getting relegated so to then get to another important game and blow it again um, it was just like, oh, well, great! I've never actually seen Stags achieve anything, so it, it was pretty disappointing, to be honest. My memories of uh, Wembley uh, for me, I went down in the car with my dad. Um, 
We drove down on the day. Remember getting to Wembley well. Obviously, I was fortunate enough to uh, be able to commentate on uh, the FA Trophy final. Not worth listening back to, to be honest. But um, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that, which was a fantastic experience and one which I'll never forget. But I always remember uh, a moment my dad talks about a lot. Um, for some reason, he... He obviously brought a ticket with the fans, but for, for whatever reason, call it fate or whatever, his ticket ended up being on the same row which I was sat on in terms of the press box just round the corner from me so he could see me. Obviously, towards the, the back end of the game, obviously, um, the goal was scored and it, it went in and my head uh, apparently just hit the desk and I couldn't look up. And I remember not being able to look at the action when the full-time whistle went and he said... I never know how you managed to continue to commentate and uh, and get through that, which is unreal. I remember um, dropping my microphone on the floor, which is one of the microphones we use for the Mansfield Matters podcast, which is, I can see it at the moment. It's, it's still got the dent in it from where I dropped it. Um, I'll, that would have been something I'll never forget. But it, it gave me renewed hope uh, that something good was round the corner. Obviously, it was all changing in that summer. Paul Cox came in, who we'll hear from next week on the podcast um, as well. Um, but uh, we rebuilt a squad, then got to the playoffs. We're talking 2011-2012 now. What a season that was, Nathan Edge. But at the start of it, after the first month or so, um, we never believed we could end up in, in, in a promotion-chasing season, did we? <laughs> no. Um, it, one of them typical, just terrible, terrible starts. And um, I think there might have even been a few question, rumbles of... Uh, Who's this? Who's this manager we brought in? Wasn't there uh, at that point? So, uh, but it just shows how how you can how how a season can can turn basically. Uh, and obviously, we, we we started putting results together in in great fashion and uh, got ourselves into into the playoffs again. And you, I think it started getting very serious then because obviously we knew how important it is to get back into the league. And it was one of them where you start thinking if you don't do it this season. It's going to get harder next season. It's going to get harder again the next season. Because that's what it's been like. And you look at the, um, the conference nowadays and you just think there's so many big clubs in there. And we had a few then. And it just it does get harder each year and each as year, years go on. So it got, I think the pressure ramped up a lot more when we finally got into the into the playoffs and, 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 and that continued um, uh, basically. But it, it had to be, it felt like then it was now or never. And I think uh, the way we played that season, Cam, as well, uh, especially towards the back end of that season, was absolutely phenomenal. But like I was saying to, to Paul Cox earlier uh, when I recorded the interview with him, which you'll hear next week on, on this podcast, um, it really went to show, didn't it, that season, of how much we relied on Matt Green. Oh, definitely. And I think we we still had... Did we have Ross Dyer at that point? Yes, it was Green and Dyer. So in the second leg, we were relying on playing Ross Dyer as the out-and-out one-man frontman, and it just didn't work. Didn't we sign Matt Reed halfway through the season? Mm, possibly I don't that, that season. season but... Yeah, may have had him that season, but... but I can't remember him playing in the playoffs in, in the playoffs sec- in the playoffs at all. I think it may well have been the season after where we signed him. To be honest. I thought it was the season before. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But um, I, the, 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 fair enough. We got to the playoffs, and it was it was obviously heartbreaking. But the, I don't particularly remember when I look back at that season. I don't particularly remember the playoffs. All I seem to remember from that season is Ex- Exodus Cargan 
scoring a last-minute equaliser against Fleetwood. <laughs> what a what a clip! We played that a few episodes ago, didn't we? That's that's for some reason that's the only thing I seem to remember of that season. I don't know why, but it's just the fact it it happened. But uh, yeah, I tried to block out the the, the York game to be honest because it was yet again it's another one where we battled so hard and threw it away in extra time. Nath, what do you remember about that one? Because like we like we said, you know, we relied on Matt Green heavily that season. We've been one, on one hell of a run. But if truth be told, even though we were playing some good football and getting some good results, it still didn't quite feel like we had a squad which was that good or good enough to get us over the line, did it? No, and I think... Uh, sort of, like you said a, a couple of minutes ago, I think, I think we knew we were very relying on Matt Green. And obviously, when that when he got the red card red card at, at York City, I, I I think I think I knew at that point that we weren't going to go up that season because that was it. And I think there was a little part of me that hoped it was going to be overturned for some reason, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, and I just knew that wasn't it. But I also remember a lot of people at the time also thinking that because I, 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 was it the second or third or fourth, third third year of. Uh, under John Radford. Um, second, he took over the year before when we got to Wembley. Second year, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, it'd be, obviously, there'd, there'd been a plan in place. I remember a lot of people thinking that might have just been one year too early anyway. Um, so, I don't know. Something just never felt right about that season. Uh, we wasn't quite at the length where I think we could have got to, which is obviously where we did get to the following season. But, um, but yeah, the, for me, that the defining moment was that away trip to York City. I remember being there and um, and it, it, it not going to plan. And I just from, from that point knew this wasn't going to be our season. Well, um, let's give you guys a little bit of a sneak preview of next week's uh, podcast, a conversation with uh, Paul Cox. Let's get his views on that playoff semi-final defeat at the hands of York City circa 2011-2012 when yet again Mansfield Town were so near yet so far. You look at us in the first leg, uh, I thought we went away, we was absolutely ultra-professional in the first leg. Um, I still say to this day that it wasn't a sending off. Um, you know, people might disagree with me, but I'm always a little bit biased in, 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 in that sense, but it was the fine lines, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, going back, I think we got done after the just just over ninety minutes, I think, in in the second leg. Uh, and it's fine. It's fine lines. Um, you know, the psychology when you take your, you know, your your leading goal scorer out. That um, you know, at that time was was you know was our catalyst to, to winning games in terms of scoring you know goals, even when we were uh, in in the tight games then. It has a, it, it does have a uh, a negative psychology on your on your team. Um, and I can remember in the game we had one or two chances that you think I wish I'd have felt the greenie. And um, but look, th- these things happen, and it was um, it was something that uh, we had to take on the chin. It's something that after, especially after the the run after Christmas, that there was an incredible amount of hurt in in terms of how it finished because I, I did actually think that we were good enough to to get promoted through the playoffs that year. Um, but we had to put it down to experience. We had to put it to bed straight away psychologically and we had to come back stronger. The thoughts of former Mansfield Town manager Paul Cox, who will join us next week on the show, the Mansfield Matters Best Time of the Week 
podcast you can enjoy that interview in full this week we're talking about so near yet so far and of course i think the uh the biggest heartbreak and the biggest so near yet so far of them all nathan edge has to be even though we've covered it a thousand and one times it surely is the travesty of last season under dave it went down to the wire went down to the final day Oh, what a season, but what heartbreak. Have you ever felt anything like that before as a Stags fan? Do we have to talk about it, really? That's, <laughs> it's sort of the reason of the episode, mate, so I'm going to say yes. <laughs> oh, I've tried to forget about it. But no, I mean, um, it was a, a very, very tough one to, to take. Um, you know, I remember uh, being, being at MK Dons and there's not many, many occasions where you can be sat around thousands of people where you would normally... Uh, you know, be, be be singing or at least talking to the person next to you, uh, but just be to be sat there in silence for the last few minutes because that's when you know, um, you, you know that the uh, you, you basically lost that game and you're not going up and all that work throughout the season has been un, been undone just by one match and one on poor piece of defending, one early goal and 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 that was it. Uh, it was yeah a very very tough tough uh, day to. to to, to be a part of. It's that bad, even Hudson and, and Abby and that have gone barking <laughs> mad. No, absolutely fine. It's, it's great to have podcast dogs involved. I just wish my <laughs> podcast dog could be involved. Unfortunately, she's not with me though, which is a shame. Um, Cam Felton, let's take take you back uh, to that day. Obviously, uh, MK Don's final game of the season. We'd had numerous chances um, to try and, uh, you know, get what in the end, turned out to be just the one point which we needed. Um, you know, the goal at Oldham, which wasn't given for Danny Rose. We'd had numerous opportunities other than that as well. Uh, just take us through uh, your memories of the day of uh, MK Dons and, and uh, your feelings going into that match. As a day as a whole, it wasn't actually that bad. The weather was nice. It was a, a very um, optimistic atmosphere. It was very... It was a very happy atmosphere. And then two minutes into the game, it just turned to absolute hell. And it just got worse from there because we had so many chances. And then you sit there, think, what? What? I don't even think I sat the entire game. I think I was stood up the whole game. And it was just thinking back to the earlier in the season, so many chances where uh, we'd got a lead or we'd, and we threw it away in the last minute and thinking like, this is going to come back to bite us. You think back to Cambridge away, Bury away. Um, Even as far as Macclesfield that season, back in back in what was it, August September? Yeah, and Macclesfield as well. Another one where we, we were just throwing away points. And you look back now, and how crucial were those three points? Macclesfield, Bury, and Oldham. Uh, Macclesfield, Bury, and uh, Cambridge. All at the start of the season, all through leads away in the last minute, how different they could have been if we could have just held on to a lead. And it, it, and it was not just those, it's not just three games, it's one of those three games, which I think is the most frustrating thing, Nathan, isn't it? Because you look at those last three three games, let's look actually at the, the last um, month or so of the season. We've been on a bit of a bad run in March. We'd beaten Cheltenham, then we'd lost away at Port Vale, drew uh, away at Crawley, which we'll talk about. Obviously then uh, drew at home with Lincoln, 
who were also pushing for promotion at that point. They were obviously champions or, and, and what have you that season. Then losing at home to Crew, we'd had such a poor run of results. We'd sort of faded down so much. It looked like it wasn't going to come. Extra away then on the 30th of March. What a fantastic performance that was, a 4-1 win. Then we back... thought it was all back on at Exeter, though. Absolutely. And then we backed that up as well with the 1-0 win at home to Cambridge. And then, you know, the, the one-all draw away at Northampton, we thought, yeah, not too bad. The one-all draw maybe wobbled us a little bit. Then we emphatically beat Morecambe 4-0 at home. And then... Oldham away. All we needed to do at Oldham was just get a point and then we'd have been okay in the end. But I think that was probably our our problem in the end because I think for a while we knew that all we needed was a point. And in some ways that probably added that pressure onto us, which you know, that pressure just was so close. So so near, but so far, you know, it's, it's almost like the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally where we were and uh, and we just Ah, oh, just it's so harsh when all we needed was, um, you know, that like I say one goal, and and you say that the Oldham game there, we we got it, we got it fairly, but we got it taken away from us, and whether that was a contributing factor where just it felt like everything was turning against us, um, you know, there was we had so many opportunities, but we just didn't have it in us as as the character within us, and uh, you could say quality or tactical ideas, whatever. There was a few things that went wrong, and obviously eventually led to missing out and I just knew from that point if we didn't go up automatically we would not be getting promoted because I've always felt like the team that drops out of the top three and drops into the playoffs never go on to go up it just it's always comes down to form at that point we said it so many times on the podcast last season didn't we about um you know if we go into the playoffs from the position we are in we are not going to get promoted but if you look at those last three games you know, any neutral would say how difficult it is. How difficult is it to actually get one point? Well, it turns out bloody difficult because, as you know, the Oldham away game, yeah, all right, we had the bit of controversy with the late goal with Danny Rose and it not counting. Steve Nish at home, I remember, as being poor. Then going to MK Dons, who were, you know, they stood to go up and, and profit if we didn't. They simply wanted it more on, on the day. But to have three stabs at it and, and to fall so badly as the way we did... I, I still can't get over that. But I have to be honest and admit, as I'm, I'm sure I did on the podcast last season, that walking away from the Oldham game, walking back to the car after the Oldham game, was more painful than the MK Dons game because it felt like... It, after the MK Dons game, you sort of knew that it was inevitable that we were going to fail and mess it up. But after the Oldham game, because it was still in our hands so much and we were defeated in, in the way we were defeated, it felt like we weren't going to get there. So it, it was far more painful, that Oldham game, than the MK Dons game for me. And I think it was just the way that it happened as well, because it was just pure elation when Danny Rose hit the back of the net and then it was wrongly ruled out. And that, if that had a stud, we'd have been up. And, that's, and you look back at it now and how heartbreaking it is, what literally... One dodgy official indecision has cost us promotion. It's almost like we've spoke about that again, isn't it? it was it was Millennium Stadium all over again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, abs- well, it's mad. And um, but you got to think we were fair enough. We had a fantastic season, but towards the end of the season, we just weren't consistent enough. Well, we were consistently um, poor, so we were consistent, just consistently poor, uh, well, which, yeah. which is the problem. But but I think uh, the reason why I think the Olden game probably did hurt so much was probably because 
we expected to come out with that more. You know, the Oldham weren't in the best of form. No, well, they were they dire. Just, better form, if I remember right, but obviously they were they weren't going anywhere that season. So for them, it was a sort of a nothing game. Uh, whereas the against uh, MK Dons, that's always going to be a tough game to go away there for anybody. So. Um, it kind of one of them where I kind of expect to lose, even though there's so much riding on it. Whereas Oldham, I I expected to win, and uh, I think we all went down there quite confidently, especially after after the you know off the end of a of a great performance against uh, Morecambe the week before. Well, absolutely. So. If you look at the mood we were in and the, the form we took, as as I mentioned in March, we had that massive lull in form. Then we managed, you know, collectively pull it back with the winner extra and the results which followed. So actually, going into that Oldham game, it was like the second wind, and then it it was just it just took us absolutely by surprise and, and took mm. the wind out of our sails again, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I say we, me and Nathan and his dad and some other people um, that I'd rather forget, we went down on a bus. We went up to Oldham on the bus, and it was it was a positive atmosphere on the way up, and it was really good. And I think Nathan's dad also did have some Northern Soul on, which wasn't that bad actually. No, it was terrible. No, it weren't. It weren't. It were all right. Um, but it was it was a positive atmosphere going up, and we we were sat at pub and weather were nice, and then. You get to Grand and the game starts and it's just like, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> and we're just... I think it made it worse, the fact it was in front of the Sky cameras, we capitulated in front of the nation again. Yeah, it almost seems like when whenever we're on TV and we're in the spotlight, we can't handle it. And then, of course... You know, even though we lost out on automatic promotion and, and threw it away, the playoffs was a, a, a very different concept. I think this is probably the first time we, we've spoke about this in, in more length because obviously after it was all concluded, it moved very quickly with David Flickcroft being sacked and John Dempster being brought in and then the retain list and all, all of that to contend with. So it, it got swept under the carpet a lot. But I don't think I've ever been through a season where actually we've been so near yet so far twice because... Obviously, we'd failed with the automatic promotion bid, which, you know, you, you take on the chin, but then you have your second chance of the playoffs. But the playoffs itself, we were a completely different outfit again. We go to Newport away, we played really, really well, and then we're hard done by in the fact of, of um, a one or draw, and then we come home, and then we're poor again. So I think in the Newport game, obviously Tyler Walker was clean through, he got tucked down, that should have been a red card, another referee decisions cost us, and then their penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty anyway. And, and then, was... obviously, the penalty shootout as well. Poor penalties from us. Still not won a penalty shootout no, since the, the days of Paul Cox. The missed a penalty was Tyler Walker. And of all the people that you'd expect to stick a penalty away... I have to, I have to admit, I remember saying to my dad um, when Walker stepped up to that, saying that penalty, I went, you watch, it'll have been brilliant all season and his final contribution for us will be missing a penalty. And what happened? He missed the so penalty. It's your fault, Ray. You jinxed yeah, it. Big I time. will take the entirety of the blame for us failing <laughs> in the playoffs last season. Why not? To be honest, though, even if we'd have got to the playoff final, um, I don't think we'd have done it anyway. Who who was it in the end? It was Tranmere, wasn't it? In, in the Tranmere, end, yeah. I don't think we'd have beat Tranmere anyway. We, were, we weren't that bad against Tranmere. Obviously, we dispatched them quite easily at home, and we didn't play poorly away. It was a nil-nil draw at their place. But having had the the season they had the previous season. Um, and things like that, and going up the way they did, they had a lot more on, on the. They would have had a lot more on the line as they did against uh, against Newport in the final. Anyway, I True, think but it was also a last minute, last minute extra time winner as well. So they fluked their way through that. 
I still don't think the thing is with with Tramere is that they were that team that came into the playoffs on form. They went on a massive run towards the end of the season. So they were the team that, although you'd think they're probably the weakest team in that, you know, four teams in there, uh, because they've just come up for the conference. So obviously you'd automatically sort of associate them as a weakish team. But they had that form, and that's why. What what I was gutted about the most with the playoffs is that I actually didn't I couldn't get that excited for it because I just knew that yeah we it wasn't going to be our year we just I think we all knew it and and playoffs are supposed to be exciting and if you're one of them you know like like 2004 as we spoke about earlier that that was exciting um, and you just I don't know it, for me this that it just didn't have that this uh, well last year and and that's probably one of the most gutting things I'd, I'd probably rather have a bit of an overall poor season and get into the playoffs at the last minute on a on a bit of a run because you sort of finish the season on a high then because it's not what you expected whereas in the end that season for us felt like a massive massive failure it did i think it, and it for, wasn't i don't think actually no. overall in terms of where we finished and, and the way the football we played in general as a whole that season it's probably it, it's one of our best seasons and i dare even say that in some some parts it probably even betters the championship winning season in terms of the way we played football and the way we come together with you know not relying on one player as as much um but it, it's just the way we we finished if only we could have you know um finished the way we finished in the conference and and had that little bit about us perhaps we just didn't have enough in the tank but how many well, chances do you get? Switch the put put the season into half. I'd if you could swap the first half of the season with the second half of the season, I'd I'd do that because I still think um, we're probably you know we we would have still finished the same place so so to speak. But it felt like we finished the season on a high rather than a low. And I think so that's the thing. You look at the at the first half of the season, and we lost one game yeah. until the second week of January. Yeah. And and to say it's you know even to to be thinking about that now and to say that now I have to I've actually just had to look at the screen then to to say if, to see if you were right because I can't remember that because and and that's because not because I don't believe you but I think that's more because of the way we finished the season it's astonishing to think that the the side and the way we played in the second half of the season were capable of going on such a run but we were yeah but we we lost to Exeter two one at home. And that was the only loss until we played Carlisle away second week of January. How insane is that? And it it wasn't even that we were winning all that much. We were just consistent. Whenever we were having a poor game, we managed to drag a draw out from somewhere. And the games that we needed to win, we did win. And the games that we were struggling in, we managed to get a draw in. So it wasn't too bad. But you're not going to go a whole season just losing one game, though. And we knew it was going to come to an end at some point. And that Carlisle game was just—it was probably the worst game, probably one of the worst games of our season. But we didn't even play that poorly. I think it's one of those, isn't it, where you you look at it and you just wonder what on earth went wrong. It would be so nice to have, have you know, even if we'd have clawed our way up and. It's got a, a really scrappy goal against MK Dons late on to to go up on a on a one or draw, having finished the season poorly. It wouldn't have mattered because we'd have, we'd have got over the line in in the way we needed to. Because let's be honest, even when we got promoted from the conference, we only scraped over the line then. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, what was it? Two two points. Yeah, two point, point two points in the end, I believe. Um, so it, it's one of those, isn't it, where. 
I don't know. It, it, it's so frustrating to think of uh, us throwing it away. But as all of these seasons that we've spoke about today, every single one has a knock-on effect. And what's worrying me now about this whole situation, bringing it all the way back to the top of the show when we were talking about the, uh, the bits and bobs which um, could, may or may not happen, what's frustrating about it all is is every failure has a knock-on effect and it's how you deal with that. If you look at 2003, 2004, all of the squad... Um, left pretty much all of the big hitters left and we lost all of them and had to rebuild then we lost the manager and appointed an absolute clown um, and that spiralled on and spiralled and spiralled and spiralled to relegation the FA Trophy season that's an anomaly because we we just we were the best of a really really bad bunch and even then we lost in the final um, the playoff um, semi-final under Paul Cox that squad if we're being truly honest as, as he was in the podcast as you'll hear next week um, we relied too heavily on one one person and that's the only time where we've learnt lessons and had a little bit of patience uh, and then this season obviously following on from that the manager was sacked we had a new manager come in who with no managerial experience, managerial experience but keeping this pretty much the same squad it will be very interesting after all this is over all this coronavirus and all this lockout and not being able to watch football when life goes back to normal it will be very interesting to see how we progress and go forward. I think fortunately, because of the break and everything which is happening now, it will almost seem like a brand new piece of paper, which we can only hope for. Well, yeah, and I think the one the one thing that we picked out a lot was there for this season was that the players weren't fit enough. They couldn't do a full 90 minutes. And hopefully working with the chance that they've had to work on their fitness, going out for a run, doing their own training regimes and whatever they've been doing hopefully they come back a fitter fitter and better squad and I think that that was one of the only downfalls that we could really pick with our squad at the moment it's just we were running out of energy and when we did we were getting getting punished for it it's a very interesting uh, interesting situation I'm sure we'll talk more in depth about this the squad from this season uh, Nathan I've got a little bit of a treat for you now go on then oh god it's very interesting Does that bring back any memories of uh, of bygone seasons and so near yet so far with some Northern Soul classics coming through yeah. a, a microphone? Yes, yes. <laughs> I thought I'd uh, bring that back for you and bring that bring that memory back for you. Um, that's almost all we've got time for um, today. Um, but next week on the show we will have uh, an in-depth interview with a man who was involved in so near yet so far, but also went one better and actually achieved the dream of taking Mansfield Town back into the Football League. Paul Cox will be joining me uh, for an interview. You won't hear Nathan and Cam on next week's show. It's because I recorded it um, earlier on uh, with, without them because I didn't know what, when it'd be available and when they'd be available, basically. Um, what are you looking forward to, to hearing as you step into the shoes of listeners? Nathan Edge, what are you looking forward to hearing the most? Um, I just I think it's looking back on good memories, really. Uh, but from a, from a different point of view, from from a man who was uh, pivotal for all of that. I know his um, some people say his his style of play wasn't the the best, but what's most important that it was effective and it and it 
we owe a big, big, uh, big thank you to him. He he got us back into the league, which is uh, who knows where we'd be now if that never if that didn't happen. Cam Felton, what about what about you? There's so many stories uh, in there. We obviously had him on for Legends Live. Um, where he and Adam Murray collectively spoke about some of the the more funnier stories and the, the incidents, like you know your pre seasons in in Skegness and Boston, and you know your your, your situations where bricks are coming through the windows. But this one's a little bit more psychological. It goes more in depth. What are you looking forward to finding out? Uh, like the mentality of the teams. Obviously, it was when we went up. It was a it wasn't the greatest season, if we're if we're in honest, being honest. It was just the second half of the season that that Raiders gave us a chance, and I just want to know like what was it like behind the scenes? Uh, did the players believe they could do it? What was they thinking going through that incredible twelve wins in a row and setting a new club record? And and then what was it like going into the dressing room and the Hereford game, and then the final day as well? I can tell you that there are some really good, interesting stories and situations around that Hereford game uh, and much, much more in between. That is it from us uh, this week on the Best Time of the Week podcast. We've been looking at so nears yet so fars. We are so near to each other. But we are so far away. The, man, the miracle of technology has brought us uh, together uh, for this podcast. We will see you again soon. Uh, just very, very finally indeed. Uh, Cam Felton, what's your message to everybody uh, at home as you reflect on today's episode and the, the fresh three-week lockdown? Uh, stay inside and stay safe, obviously. Only go out for essentials. Um, and then uh, there's plenty also going on trying to keep yourself um, occupied, shall we say. Uh, there's plenty of stuff that's going on. I follow every day. There's uh, reruns of old seasons. There's all sorts on the sports channels at the minute. Um, and while the weather's nice, get out, enjoy it. Sit on your garden, have a beer. Um, and just try and stay positive because football is so near yet so far, but we've got to keep looking positive and and keep looking to the future and, and, and touch wood football will be back soon Nathan Edge yeah I mean like like Cam said I think the main thing is stay positive uh, keep your loved ones close obviously it's, it's a tough time for everybody but the most we can do uh, or the best we can do in the situation is uh, try and stay positive and hopefully we'll be through this uh, sooner rather than later fingers crossed and of course Make sure you're listening to more podcasts like this. The Mansfield Matters best time of the week. Fresh episodes every single Saturday. At what time? Let's see if we can do it in unison. Here we go. Best time of the week. Saturday at 3pm. I thought he was going down that route. I mean, I'll try it again if you want. (laughs) Go on then. All right, I'll try it again. Um... Of course, you can check out more podcasts like this at the best time of the week. <laughs> Saturday at 3pm. I think that's, yeah. as, that's as much in unison as you're going to get from those two. I've been Craig Priest, Nathan Edge and Cam Felson have been with me via the miracle that is Skype. And we will see you again next Saturday at 3pm with Paul Cox, who will be my guest for a very in-depth interview. The final whistle this week is a taster of what's to come this time next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe and share. Stay safe, wash your hands and get through this the best that you can. This is the best time of the week and the full-time whistle.
terms of the psychology and the group dynamics of what we had, I knew that I needed to, to do something from that game onwards to restart the players. It felt like all our world had, had fell apart, looking at some of the players on the bus. Even some of the, the more mentally stronger the ones, you could tell were, were a little bit down mentally. So I think that's where, as a manager and as a, as a coaching staff, that's where you go and earn your coin and you, you know, you can't feel sorry for yourself as a coach. It's all about your players. You've got to go in there, you've got to get them up, and you've got to motivate them and you've got to trick them. You've got to trick them into, into, into still believing because at that stage after that, it was looking as though we, you know, we might just miss out from what I thought and from what I remember. We turned up while we was, while we was out walking on the pitch pre-game, we noticed that Hereford invited Kidderminster down to watch the game and, and we could put them on a, a curry dinner and, and a, you know, a few drinks, which made the team talk really, really easy, if I'm going to be totally honest. I think it's probably one of the most underhanded things uh, and unprofessional things I've, I've, I've come across in football. I would never think about doing something so cheap. And if I'm honest, I was a really angry man before the game. I know people think I was an angry man anyway, so, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I had to, I had to I had to put that to one side and everything that, that I said had to be positive and motivational. And we did mention, don't forget this, you know, Kidderminster just waiting for you to lose here. And I know for a fact that, that Hereford would have preferred Kidderminster to, you know, to have won. You know, I know some of the players personally now, one of them, one of them still plays one of them plays for me now. So, you know, so I know the team talk of, of what, what, was, what was said to them. Um, but what a fabulous night. fingers crossed and of course make sure you're listening to more podcasts like this the Mansfield Matters best time of the week fresh episodes every single Saturday at what time let's see if we can do it in unison here we go best time of the week oh he's, he's, he's uh, Saturday at 3pm I thought he was going down that route uh, I mean I'll try it again if you want and <laughs> I might edit it in go on then alright I'll try it again um, of course, you can check out more podcasts like this at the best time of the week. Saturday at 3pm. Oh, Nathan, you useless. <laughs> well, he, he did it different this time. <laughs> I can't remember I said the time before, that's why. Oh, no, all right. I've got, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.